with you guys uh, is different tonight. Like I said, we're going to have a seat here, and Jazz is going to read the questions, and this is going to be recorded as well, so if someone wasn't here, uh, they, can, they can listen to it or whatever, or you can listen to it later if you miss something. Um, and then if you want to text in during this, you are more than welcome to text in this. This is a totally different night. If it's your first night, welcome. We typically don't do this, okay? Uh, in fact, we did something like this three-ish years ago, and that was the last time we did something like this, okay? So you're special if you're here. Special night for you, okay? So we're going to have a seat, and then Jazz, you uh, kick us off, and then Elizabeth, uh, I'm going to give you the, the first swing, and then Sweet. I'm here for moral support. Awesome. We'll get started. So the first question is, how can we begin to recalibrate our minds to improve our self-worth? Where does the line draw between loving one another and taking care of yourself? What are tips for setting boundaries with people? Yeah, those are That's a big questions. one. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to do intro really quick, or do we care? Um, I mean, it's not a big deal one way or the other. Yeah, let's do a little intro. Okay. I'm Elizabeth. Uh, oh, up here. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so I'm super excited to be here. I actually... Um, loved college. I loved learning. So being back in the classroom is awesome, except for I like being in those seats, not as much of this seat. I realized I think I went into counseling because you get to do the one-on-one -on -one thing. You don't have as many eyes looking at you, but I'm going to do the best I can. If I have a panic attack, I might maybe just help me out a little bit. Um, it's real. It's a real thing. And um, no joke aside, it might happen. So um, I was born and raised in this area, um, grew up in the church, um, family that loves Jesus. Uh, don't judge me, but I went to Oregon State. Um, not for the football Ew. team, obviously. Oh, you're, you're out there. Okay. Well, yeah, I met my husband there, and he always gives me a hard time because I'm still a duck at heart because I told him I did not go to Oregon State for the academics. It was, it was uh, I mean, for the sports, it was for the academics. And um, from there, I went to Western Seminary, got my master's in counseling, and thought I had all the answers figured out. And then I got married and had kids. So I'm kind of back at square one. But I really love meeting with people and um, kind of being a, a person that gets to meet with people in the middle of their pain, in the middle of their joy, and um, I've, I've just, I've seen a lot over the, I guess, 15 years I've been working as a counselor, and the great news is that, like, despite all the pain, I've seen the joy that comes th from Jesus, and that doesn't always mean that there's 100%, like, healing in the moment, but there's definitely victory in him, and so that's, like, always the encouraging thing is um, when, we, when we look at him, that, that's, that's the biggest obstacle, that overcoming, you know, um, just, just knowing that he's there for us. Um, so give me, like, the first question, maybe. Yes. How can we recalibrate our minds to improve our self-worth? Yeah, so, I mean, self-worth is a big one, and I feel like we have, like, a ton of messages coming at us from, like, all different directions, and sometimes it's just super important to sit back and, like, think about where are we getting our information? Like, who is telling us who we are? And that can come in, you know, from social media, that can come from uh, expectations that we have of ourselves. that can come from family stuff, like what our parents expected of us or messages that they gave us. And so oftentimes at this point in our lives, we have a lot of things going on in our heads that come from a lot of different places. And sometimes there's some truth to it, but a lot of times, what we need to do is ground ourselves in the truth of who God says we are. And um, that's where we're going to find like our true value, a true sense of self. And um, 
that, and that requires like the work of actually knowing who God is and getting into the scriptures and understanding what he says about who we are and um, being able to know the difference and kind of discerning between what's coming at us from culture and like really being able to filter that through. Is that true about me? And then if it is true, you know, then we can go from there. But a lot of things that are coming at us aren't always speaking the truth. So um, I think that that's kind of a big thing is knowing knowing the truth and there is a difference between the truth and a lie. And for a lot of us, there's a lot of lies that go around in our heads. And, um, you know, taking thoughts captive, it's a lot easier said than done. But it's one of those things that a lot of us have these mental loops that we've had throughout our entire lives where we've learned and told ourselves who we are. And it just isn't, it just flat out isn't true. And so knowing how to stop that and correct that with what is the truth and having that be the louder voice, um, that would be a way of starting that, I think. Awesome. Where does the line draw from, uh, draw between loving one another and taking care of yourself? Um, And that kind of plays into the next question, which is what are tips for setting boundaries with people? Yeah, I mean, boundaries is a big one. And I think it's tricky without knowing the context of the situation. I mean, I think in relationship, things get messy. And that's just the nature of the world that we live in. And I think obviously you kind of have on the upper end of um, dysfunction, if there's abuse, if there's any sort of mental, emotional, physical, sexual abuse, that's like an automatic, like boundary needs to be set probably with the help of somebody else. And that's a very strong boundary that needs to be set. And then you have other maybe situations where maybe there's some sort of like, I don't know, deception or you feel like you're being taken advantage of in some way. And I think that just takes a lot of like wisdom and discernment to know what is healthy as far as a relationship and knowing how much to invest in that relationship. Um, I think the heart of God is always for reconciliation and for there to be health in relationships. But sometimes that's not possible. And sometimes you do have to take a step back. But I think that's somewhat, somewhat tricky to speak globally to how to set boundaries without the context of the situation because I think there's so many different things that, that kind of fall into that category. Yeah, and I think, I think when you talk about, you know, setting boundaries um, within the context of outside relationships as well, um, you have to make sure, and, and we, we talk about this a lot, uh, you know, and you alluded to who are you listening to um, uh, out the gate, and you guys, that is so critical for if you're going to establish boundaries or know I need help out of this situation, um, you know, uh, because, you know, a lot of times um, it, abusive situations, uh, what's so dangerous is the manipulation factor that is used. Uh, um, and, and so having voices that you trust that are for you, that um, spiritually care about you, don't have a dog in the fight. You've heard me say this a lot. Like, um, if I had a job opportunity in Spokane, I wouldn't ask my mom what she thought because she would say, take it, because that's close to where she lives, all right? So she's biased. Um, so I need, I need people that I can go to that I know that they're going to speak truth they're going to speak truth of what God says, and they're going to speak from a posture of they don't have anything to gain from me. They just love me, and they want to see me be all that God has for me. 
Guys, those are the people that can help you see things when you're unable to see them, okay? So. If we can do all things through Christ, how does counseling come into play? Is it beneficial to find a therapist? Well, I think we chatted about this too. That, that particular verse or phrase is one of those Christianese phrases that is unfortunately used out of context far too often. Um, the context of that uh, is Paul being in prison and talking about how he was able to endure things with Christ at his side. And so it's not one of those things where I can't literally do anything through Christ. Like, I'm not going to be able to go, like, you know, do some sort of physical feat. But I'm going to be able to walk through the highest of the highs and the lowest of lows if God is with me. If he is beside me and he is my hope, then I'm going to get through it. The suffering itself may not end on this side of heaven, but I can endure whatever comes my way because of the hope I have in Jesus. So I don't think it necessarily correlates to counseling in and of itself. I think that God's also called us to live in community and with people and to have people speak into our lives. And so when we're going through hard stuff, we need people that are there for us that can kind of look at things a little bit more objectively and be able to have a different perspective and be able to point us maybe in a direction, kind of be a guide. But I think that verse in and of itself isn't exactly a, a perfect tie-in to what, you know, counseling in and of itself is. Yeah, I agree. Great. How can past trauma affect us today? How do I detect Ooh. my trauma responses? That, that, that's, a, that's a small question. Thank you. For <laughs> How can trauma affect? I mean, trauma is a huge one. And I think, again, that's one that the tricky part about mental health sometimes is that it doesn't look the same on everybody. Um, our trauma looks different. People that have experienced trauma, it can, it's sourced in different places in our lives. There's different kinds of trauma that we experience, and then it manifests itself differently um, moving forward. But from a very clinical perspective, a lot of the things that you might see with trauma is you may see flashbacks, and that may be something where you are remembering quite vividly the experience that you went through. There may be triggers. There are things that remind you of what you went through, and it may be something you may not even remember from that trauma, and all of a sudden maybe you're back in that space or it throws you off. Um, there are definitely physical manifestations of trauma that comes up as well. Um, <clears throat> chronic pain can be a, a piece of that. Um, there, depression, anxiety. There, there are so many. There, I guess there's so many facets of how trauma impacts a person. And because we're all so different, we have this backdrop of different experiences in our childhood, different environments that we that we've lived in and gone through, and then of course the trauma that impacts us. There's no. There's no one like neat package to put, oh, this is what trauma looks like, but there's so many different ways that trauma can impact you in the future, which is, I think, a great opportunity to seek out help, especially if you're noticing it impacting your life significantly on a regular basis. <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things about, in fact, I was going through premarital with, with a couple today, and one of the things we were walking through is their past. Um, and the goal for that is to get some of these things, and they're specific questions, and to try to draw out specific things so that you can come to a healthy place of talking about them. 
uh, together uh, because so often there's things that we've just learned to deal with or we've just uh, gotten really good at, at just when it starts to like boil, it, we, we're really good at, at pushing it back down. But for all of us, there reaches a point where you just can't do it anymore. And the goal in that is like, man, you don't want that to happen in your marriage, right? So it's like, how can we uh, have these conversations now? I think what our purpose for this is if there's something going on for you, it's to provide an atmosphere where you can get help now. Uh, that's the goal is, is to help, you know, help people experience this trauma when we know that people are experiencing it at more and more of an early age in life. And, uh, and so anyway, I think, I think those are just some things that, yeah. Well, I think that's the part too, where, especially for ongoing, like complex trauma, a lot of people learn how to put a mask on. And I think that's a common thing for a lot of us. We want to look a certain way. We want to look like we have it all together. But there ultimately comes a point where if you're not processing that or working through that, it's going to come out somewhere else. And so, um, and also I think with trauma, a lot of what a person goes through that can somehow become a part of their identity. And there's a lot of shame and guilt associated with that. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to work through that so that you can rightly transition your identity to what it actually is, is being a child of God and not a victim of this. And that becomes a part of your story, but not... It's not the main part of your story. It's just a piece of the puzzle. And then you can use that to affect change and be, be used as a tool for, for God because uh, trauma is pervasive. And if you've gone through it, it's, it's awful, and I'm sorry. And I think we don't take enough time just to say I'm sorry for the pain of what people have done. Um, it's mm-hmm. not okay. And recognizing that and being able to like, have a space to like, actually have emotions around that Instead of just being like, okay, it's time to move on. Like, no, like you need to, there's, there's grief that go, and loss with that. And so being able to talk about it, process it, have it be a part of your story, but then turn and use that for what God maybe is calling you to do with that. That's good. How do I deal with feeling like nothing matters and not having interest in anything? And, that, and that's... That's like a descriptor of depression. And I think that's one of those things, again, if I was sitting in front of you, you whoever wrote the question, I would want to know more. I want to know your story. I want to know how long this has been going on for for you. I want to know what, you know, your support system looks like. I want to know what your relationship and your daily rhythms with Jesus looks like. Um, But ultimately, I would be I would encourage you to talk to people that love you and care about you because the the reality is statistically a lot of you are dealing with some form of depression and or anxiety and the typical cultural thing to do is just to kind of push it down suppress it pretend like everything is okay and the best thing that we can do is be actually talking about it and yes with friends but then also taking it to the next step if you've noticing kind of that pattern of ongoing lack of energy no motivation not wanting to do anything not feeling you know worthwhile or worthless like that's when it's time to get additional support and reach out and ha- not having any shame around that. Um, yeah. Okay, someone said, I know what is good for me and what I need to change, but there is an overall lack of motivation to do so. How do I find that encouragement to start and continue to change and make better decisions to help my mental health? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's another really good one. I think is somewhat tied to the last one. Like, 
the, I remember learning in school, like the best medicine when you're depressed is to go for a run. But trying to encourage and convince a depressed person to go for a run is so hard because there's so, there's so much lack of energy, lack of motivation. You may know all the right things to do, but then actually doing them feels impossible. It feels like you're trying to like drag yourself out of a hole. And so I think, again, that is an opportunity to connect with other people that care about you. I think accountability is huge. And even if it's just one small thing that you are like putting on your agenda for the day to support your mental health, like that's important. I think we all want it to be like perfect, like instant gratification, let's fix this right now. But that's not actually how healing works. And so I think there's a huge um, element of finding the supportive people around you, letting them know what's going on, and then just taking small steps. And that can look super different. It's kind of, you know, what, that's where it's like the individual sitting in front of you trying to figure out what's gonna be the thing that helps you kind of kickstart making forward progress. And that can be something as simple as like, okay, go walk for five minutes. That's it, like that's, that's your job is to go walk for five minutes. And that may seem really silly, but the reality is getting up to go for a walk means you have to get out of bed. And that might mean that like while you're getting out of bed, you might put a couple things away. And that might mean when you go for your five minute walk, you go for more than a five minute walk. And there's just kind of this momentum that builds. And then if you're consistently doing that over a period of time, you can start to kind of see some progress. Um, and I think also in that, with the support of your friends, kind of figuring out, and, and professionals as well, choosing to take action even when you don't feel like it. And that's like the hardest thing to do sometimes is like, okay, I know what I need to do. I don't feel like doing it. I'm gonna choose to do it anyway. And that comes with like even just our spiritual disciplines. Like there's a lot of mornings where I'm like, I don't feel like reading my Bible, but I need to. Sometimes I don't, like <laughs> legit, sometimes I just don't, but. Really? Uh, really and you know they say read your bible and pray every day um guilty of not doing that but i think mm. the reality is we know it. yeah <laughs> performance reviews coming up um so i think we like we just like know that taking action even when we don't feel like it there's something to that and that's why it's called like a spiritual discipline and it's not always when we want to or feel like it it's because we know it's good for us despite our emotions in the moment so yeah, I think that's great. There's so much that's interconnected it's to it ton, yeah. that I think the more you understand that, um, you know, I know for me, the more I've studied uh, in in this arena, the more it's it's not like, oh my gosh, all these come into play, but you know what it actually does? You start to go, this is great that all of these things can come into play to help. Uh, and, and And I think that's how... You, you need to look at it, right? It's, um, it, it's kind of, you know, the first lesson I gave in this series was, you know, your body's telling you something, right? If you're having that thought, you guys, that thought isn't just a, a wake up, oh, I'm, you know, like, this isn't worth it anymore, right? That, your body, uh, your body reacting in some way, panic attack, uh, all these things are, your body is, telling you it's the alarm going off, there's something wrong. And remember, we either try and just figure out how to shut off the alarm or we go, there's a fire somewhere, we need to proactively go find that fire. And it's community, it's, um, 
you know, it's, it's understanding and knowing your identity. It's understanding uh, and coming to terms with, I'm not in a safe place right now for myself, and I need to get some real help. But it is, you know, like you were saying, it's like dragging yourself out of a hole. Um, and, and I just, I think that is the power of having relationships. Over and over and over again in this field, what you see is relationships are just key. Community is key. Um, guys, spiritual, spiritually, when you look at what God has called us into and, and, and called us out to, he called us into relationship with him. And within that is a call to community for a reason, because you weren't meant to try and live for him alone, okay? And that literally impacts everything about you. And so I think that um, that's also, like, you see the beauty in how God's designed us to walk with him, to experience him to the fullest as well, is with community. And guys, we need community now more than ever. And I think one of the dangers right now in the last two years is we've seen so many communities splintered, uh, torn apart, trust broken, and so many people right now are feeling alone. And, um, and that's tough, and it just like stacks on you, uh, which you're already feeling, which you're already going through. And so, anyway. And another thing I wanted to throw out there, too, is when we're talking about mental health, it's important to know that like we are not just body, soul, spirit. We're, you know, we are a holistic being mm -hmm. made by God. And so there are physical aspects of our life that, that do impact our mental health. Our mental health impacts our physical health. So I always encourage, especially with depression and anxiety as well, like go to your doctor, get some blood work done, especially check out that vitamin D level because especially for students that I meet with, like when they're telling me they're dealing with depression, you just want to rule out that it isn't a vitamin D deficiency because turns out it rains a lot here. So there is not a lot of sun and we need that vitamin D and it seems super simplistic, but it's like check that box before you go to the next box and know that we're supposed to take care of our bodies too. And part of that is like, yes, going to the doctor, even if you like are 20-ish and physically fit because there are things that are going on and there may be some chemical things going on, hormonal things going on that are like contributing significantly to our mm -hmm. mental health. And if we're not addressing that, then we're kind of like missing the elephant in the room at, sometimes. So mm -hmm. that kind of goes into the next okay. question. Okay. Um, oftentimes, most Christians say that spiritual health should be sought out first because it affects physical and mental health in the process. Would you agree or disagree? Hmm. I, I'm not sure that you can separate them all. I think that's the tricky part is when you're talking to a person, you're not just saying, okay, let's talk about this part of your life. You don't like break people into little sections. Um, so I think my personal approach is we're looking at the person as a whole, and that includes their spiritual life because, of course, that impacts the rest of their life. And we're looking at their, their physical life and, and how, like their situation, their environment. Like all of these different factors are at play. And to, to isolate one in favor of the other, it just it doesn't, it doesn't translate super well into viewing the person as a whole person. So I'm not sure if that answer that necessarily or if you have any other thoughts yeah and th i think that's a 
that's such a broad question as well. I think there's nuances with that mm -hmm. question that you would want, um, you know, because uh, you may know what your issue is that you're going, you know, and that and it may be very clear off of off of that. But most of the time, it's it's unpacking, like you said, the person. Um, especially if you don't know them, you're unpacking who they are as a whole um, to try and figure out what what is the the disconnect right now. So, um, yeah, I would agree with what you said there. Okay. Well, and I think that, yeah, and I think that is partly looking at the root issue, and I think that's oftentimes an important part of the counseling process is trying to figure out why are things the way they are? And sometimes it is a sin issue. We can like, that, that's a real thing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's genetics, it's brain chemistry, it's the things that have happened to you that were not your fault. So I think so much of the counseling process has to be informed by what's going on and why you are dealing with what you're dealing with. And so again, it's like a very individual thing. There's not a one size fits all. How should you confront spiritual warfare in the midst of depression? I'm thinking as far as in the experiences that I've had, truth is, is like the way I look at it. If, if there's spiritual warfare, usually there are lies that a person is believing or hearing or seeing or thinking or feeling. And so it's just a matter of taking them back to scripture and saying this is the truth and continuing to do that day after day. And it honestly often isn't just a one-time thing. It's not like, okay, this is the truth. Just believe it. You're good to go. Let's go. It's like you have to have a game plan. I mean, that's kind of the nature of, of the word spiritual warfare. Like it's a war. It's a battle. It takes action and takes fighting. And the best way to fight that is with the truth. And so you have to know what the truth is. So usually I'll walk alongside a person and we kind of look at what are the common lies, what are the things that you are believing that are absolutely just not true, and how do we replace those? Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of a general overview. You may have more insight into this. You probably see this a, a bit more. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, I think, I mean, you nailed it with, with the truth component for sure. I mean... Uh, we are being influenced at unprecedented rates uh, and, and giving so much leverage to voices. And, um, and oftentimes, uh, you know, when, whenever it's like this spiritual warfare type thing, we're, um, we're looking for these like specific attacks, essentially. We're like, oh, well, there it is, or, or that's it. And um, I focus more so, like, on the equipping side. Like, am I, am I focused on becoming all he's called me to be, which a lot of that is truth, right? It's, it's learning truth. It's understanding it. It's viewing God's word as a mirror that's going to reveal what's in me, what's of him, what's not of him, and if you start there, uh, like you, you are as a byproduct of living in truth, following truth, uh, being obedient to truth, you're equipped. 
you're not sitting, like, if you're doing that in your life consistently, you're not sitting there going, okay, I got to armor up today. You know, like, this is a big, like, you're not thinking that way because you're just, you're there. You're locked in, in step with God. And so whatever comes your way, you're, you're able to go, how does this line up with what I know he says about me? Um, you're able to navigate the relationships a lot more uh, clearer. You're able to um, identify uh, those people that are frauds in your life, those people that have an agenda with your life, those people that are um, using you, abusing you. All those uh, things are things that, um, you know, that, that the Spirit of God wants to speak into and wants to give you the eyes to see. Okay, and so I think a lot of times um, we try and, and figure out all these fixes, and ultimately we just don't deal with our own hearts. And, you, and so I think, I think when you talk about receiving truth, understanding truth, um, in the context of spiritual warfare, it's, uh, gosh, it's the equipping side, to be honest. Like, it's, it's the equipping side. It's, it's why if you're going to have a great workout, you need to warm up, you know. Uh, you don't just, like, roll up and go, all right, I'm going to run the fastest time I've ever ran in my life. You warm up, right? And it's like, oh, that's like so simple. Yeah, but that's what your muscles need to be prepared for what you're going to put them through. And guys, you don't know what your day is going to bring. Every day right now is a mess, okay? And everything's changing all the stinking time. And you're like, how do I respond? What do I do? And you're being yanked around, right? So you either go, I'm going to fight it when I see it, or just anticipate that this is what, this is what life is right now. And so I want to be equipped. And that's the business we're in. Okay. Okay. Next question. How can I best support a friend who is going through a mental health crisis and is choosing to self-isolate? That's a good one. And I'm guessing that probably applies to a lot of you or will at some point um, down the road. And I think that that is being a good friend means listening really well. To just be present with somebody means a lot. To not jump to try to fix it. Um, to allow someone to sit a little bit in their pain, but then also encourage them towards help and healing. But I think, I mean, Job's like the best example of how not to be a good friend. Um, in that book, not Job himself, but his, his dude friends that were not, not cool. Um, basically telling him it's a sin issue. Okay, well, that's not going to be helpful. Like, if it is, then yes, like, gently speak the truth and love to your friend. But um, I think what people need when they're in pain is somebody that is compassionate and kind and comes alongside of them and is supportive but doesn't leave them there. And that can take time. It's going to not just be a one-time thing where it's like, don't do the, like, I'll pray for you and then, like, run away. Um, that's not actually super helpful. Um, call, text, stop by, be present, um, encourage them to find additional community to be supporting them as well. Um, helping people in crisis can be exhausting, so you yourself need to be getting supported as well in that, um, mm -hmm. because if you're not taking care of yourself and you're trying to fix everything that's going in this person's life, then you are going to be literally exhausted. And so, um, and that's not what we're called to be. We're not called to be anybody's savior. We are needing to help that person in their moment of crisis and get them to where they can, you know, get the, the support they need to get to the other side of that. So 
Maybe that means going to the doctor with them. Maybe that means making an appointment and, and being with them, being present with them. But um, isolation, withdrawal, that does not promote healing. And so whatever you can do, whether it's, okay, let's go on a walk. Okay, tomorrow we're doing the same thing. I'm checking in with you at this point. Let's make a plan. Um, just action-oriented, small things that show that you care. But I think sometimes we're also really uncomfortable with suffering and pain. And it's easy in those times to be like, peace out. But that's not being a good friend. And um, we don't want that when we're going through the stuff that we're going through. So I think thinking about practically, how can I help this person in this moment? And it can be small things or just listening. Um, you can't fix it for them. But you can be present and point them to other support and help. Yeah, I think um, if, if your mindset is, I need to fix them, you're going to be discouraged, and you're going to project that discouragement on them. And that is just the worst. Um, I, I was just dealing with this. And in fact, um, and, and this lady who's going through this, because guys, there's not like an age limit when you go through this. Uh, I was meeting with an older lady who's stuck in this loop. And um, and, and what I told her the last time I met with her, because what she's going through mentally is literally something that um, I just know with where she's at, and she's getting professional help as well, that she's going to need to hear what I said again. And so what I told her is, I want you to know, because she just felt so awful. She's feeling bad for, for, in her mind, I'm annoying you. I'm being a burden on you. And guys, a lot of your friends feel that way, okay? And so how you project your care, your presence is important. Because it either uh, you're projecting, why aren't you getting better? Why aren't you progressing? I've done all this and this for you. And that's when we start to, to get frustrated. And, and, and really what we're focused on then is fixing them, which isn't, that's not your job, okay? Your job is to get in there with them, to be there for them. And then you got to be willing to say, if they need to hear the same thing 50 times, 50 days in a row, you need to be willing to say that and mean it and care for them. And that's what I told this lady. I said, listen, I am here. I will move my schedule to tell you this again, because I know you're going to need to hear it again, and I'm here to tell it to you again, because this is what God says about you. And, uh, and so, guys, that's not me going, oh, I'm going to fix her. Like, no, that's just me saying, I am here. I'm not going anywhere, and I'm, 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 I'm going to help uh, be a source of, 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 you know, another steady foundation for you to run to when you feel uh, like this voice is overtaking you, which... It can, and that's tough. And the other thing I'd add to that is if you have a friend that is definitely like in a significant depression, talk about suicide. I know it's one of those things that feels uncomfortable, um, but it's something that we should be comfortable talking about, even if it's uncomfortable, because you love that person. And if that comes up that they are really in that space of like, this is, a, this is an ongoing thought. This is an intrusive thought. I have a plan. You know, you, going through, like, actually talking to them about it, that's when you say, I love you so much. We are going to get help. You don't have a choice. I'm dragging you in the car. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a nicer way of doing that. But um, I think there's a lot of times where you do protect what's going on in that person's life. There's a certain level of confidentiality. But when it gets to that point, they need you to be the one that's acting 
in their behalf. And mm -hmm. so I would just really encourage that you be okay with talking about self-harm, suicide, because it's, it's real. It's a, and it's something that people are dealing with and it's often hidden. And it's, it's something that we need to be more comfortable just being okay talking about. How do I stop feeling hatred and anger towards God for the trauma and abuse I've been through? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big one. And I think a lot of people, as they're processing their trauma, there's a lot of that, why me? And I think there can be a lot of empathy and compassion in that. But I think that also when we are willing to bring God into the conversation, we can see that there is this thread of suffering is a part of our experience and it doesn't make it go away, but we know that God will use what has been done and evil to us and it can be used for good, though that's not necessarily a scripture I'd use with someone that's going through trauma in that moment, but I think that it's okay to acknowledge the, the anger towards God. We, if we read in the Bible, people are talking about their anger towards God or frustration or not understanding the situation they're in in the Psalms all the time. And I think that's a really cool invitation for us to be super real and authentic with God. Like, take it to him. He can handle it. He knows what suffering looks like. Um, legitimately, he is the one that we can... Um, say knows what it feels like to be to, to go through anything that we've gone through he has gone through he took all of that on the cross and I think it's important to recognize and validate those feelings and emotions take that to God and then allow that to kind of transform and work your way into how are you going to heal because he has there's there's purpose through it that doesn't mean that it, there's a good reason for why it happened but he is the only way that you're going to see healing and be able to move forward and have that be a part of your story, not your whole story. Um, but and that's, it's a really tricky one. It's, it's, not, it's not simple. I wish there was a simple answer for that one, but I think it is walking with somebody through it over a long period of time. And, and trauma healing in general isn't just a, hey, let's set up an appointment and we'll deal with this in an hour session. Oftentimes it's years and years and years in speaking the truth of who God says that person is, that they are redeemed and that they are loved and they are, they are beautiful in his sight and what has happened to them does not define them. Um, so it, it, there's, there's not a simple answer because, again, everything looks a little bit different from everybody's you know, different experience and perspective. Yeah, I think, I think as well in this is there is um, all around us the gift of people who have gone through it in their past and seen God's faithfulness through years. Uh, and, and these aren't people that just, you know, a lot of times didn't just wake up and it was like gone. You know, there's, there's a lot of older people in my life that I utilize and I go to because, you know, I can look at their lives and I can see God's truth in what they've been through and how they've come out of it. And I think what's hardest is when you're in the moment, when it's fresh, when it's real, um, and you read all these scriptures about how God is good, God is love, he's a definition of love, he's sovereign. And we go, well, he's all those things. If he's all those things, why in the heck 
Did this have to happen to me? It didn't happen to them. It happened to me. Uh, why? Right? And guys, this is a very common question for people. Is why does he allow pain? Why does he allow suffering? If he is all good, all knowing, and can do anything he wants. And I think that, you know, there's some free will issues that we've got to reconcile that we love about free will, but we also hate about free will, right? Um, in one sense, we're like, I want him to just interject and like fix all of this. But in the same sense, it's like, well, that's not love, essentially, is it? You know, love isn't a forced thing. Um, but then I also go like, man, I, I think of what, you know, and you alluded to what Jesus went through, and it's like he went through the worst of pain, physically, emotionally, all of that, uh, experienced uh, the agony of, of all of that, and in Hebrews it says, now we have a high priest, which is him, who can sympathize with us. In other words, he sympathizes with you. He doesn't sit up there and go, uh, ha-ha, like, you know, like he sympathizes, he, he's, he mourns with us, he cares deeply for you, he mourns at what was said or done to you by somebody who was living outside of his design for them, okay, so he mourns that, he's angry about that, and he, like you said, welcomes your honesty, he welcomes you going to him, He's not up there saying, don't bring that to me. In fact, all throughout scripture, Job included, who you alluded to last week, I think I read a prayer of Job that was just like, are you kidding? He said that to God? And it's like, yeah. Yeah, he did. David, who was said to have a heart after God's, said a lot of things to God that you go, I didn't know you could say that. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I would have just gone, you know, like if, if someone, <laughs> if I was God, but I'm not, you know, uh, for a lot of reasons. So he welcomes that. He doesn't push you aside. He doesn't say deal with it. And, and guys, just this is the nature of what happened at the very beginning, the brokenness that has spread throughout the story of history. And we're not getting better. Can we all agree on that? I don't care what political party, what denomination, what religion you are. There's a universal reality that we're not getting better. Okay? Okay. Uh, we're, it, it, all the statistics, okay, whatever statistic you want, we're not getting better. And, and when it comes to mental health, we're not getting better, right? When it comes to what, what people are experiencing, uh, and even just the last two years, let's just take those. Like, look at what all of the statistics are showing, okay? It's just awful, okay? That's where we're at. And um, I know that's not the mental health encouragement talk, and I've probably been the worst at that during the series. Uh, I'm like, it's awful. It's going to get worse, and everything's going to be bad. And, uh, but you can get help. Uh, <laughs> and we're here for you. <laughs> um, but um, you guys, it's just, um, you have to know that this doesn't define the story of your life. Okay? It just doesn't. And throughout life, there's, whether it's trauma, whether it's a moment, whether it's a, a relationship, uh, I think the enemy's goal is to get you to label that as that's the new you now. And it's not. That's been the story that he painted. That's what he tried to do with Adam and Eve and everybody else. This is your identity now. And God, throughout all of history, says that is not your identity. Jesus went to the cross to give you a new identity. And so it's just not, you can't believe that lie. That doesn't negate pain. 
the need to get help, the need to meet, that for whatever professional help you need, uh, spiritual help you need, that does not negate any of that. It's just a, a lie that, that is going to consistently uh, happen throughout your life to make whatever that is uh, your new identity. And you just can't do it. You can't. There's too much. There's so much more of life. And um, you just see uh, people all throughout Scripture look back and, and see an incredible story and a testimony. And like I said, it's not just people in Scripture. There's people all over this community that you can go to and you go, I had no idea you went through that. No idea. And, and, they're, and they're a living testimony for you and me. Okay? And I think, I think that's something helpful, too, is to find somebody, whether it's, you know, someone that's lived and already gone to be with the Lord that has um, been like a, you know, a giant of the faith or someone in your life that has actually walked through whatever it is that you're going through. I think there's a certain level of, um, there's a certain level of help when you can hear from someone that's been through something and has come out the other side while you're, st while you're still in your stuff, you've see you can see that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I know that there's, there's so many books, there's so many resources. Um, I mean, some, some of my, like my favorite, like Charles Spurgeon, like significant depression, C.S. Lewis, major depression. There's like, there's people that have gone through serious trauma, serious losses, and you read their autobiographies or their biographies, and you just go, I want a faith like that. I want to be able to walk through what they've walked through and be able to say that I count this a, a, a loss, you know, in, in, in comparison of knowing Jesus. This is nothing compared to what I have in him. And some of those some of those, you know, testimonies are, I think, really helpful for us as we're navigating in the space of pain to see there is hope. You know, there's all these other resources too, but I think really having someone you can be like, okay, they did it, I, I can do it too. Well, we've got plenty of other questions that we weren't even able to get to, but that's all that we have time for. That's why you shouldn't um, have pastors on this. <laughs> you start <yeah>. preaching. <laughs> that's so good, though. Oh, man. Um, okay, so yeah, we've got, uh, we're out of time. We're well out of time. And with that being said, okay, there's more questions. If you have a question, I'm here. We're here. We're not, we're not just like jetting off, Okay. Um, so I think that's one of my main encouragements is, um, is ask, like reach out to us. We are available for coffee, lunch, whatever it may be, uh, to help you, to help you in a situation, to help direct you, um, you know, and, uh, and so, uh, guys, we just wanted to have this, provide this atmosphere to answer some of these questions and then, um, help equip you guys.